0: the folks on my team to give them all the tools that they need to get something done. I I don't necessarily feel like I have to control everything. If anything, I want to hand out and delegate those responsibilities so that folks get their job done. They don't have to come to me always and get permission or this or that, and obviously there's segregation of duties and whatnot.
1: In the world of business finance, things change fast. Welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance, a show where today's finance innovators discuss what the future holds. Learn from experts in the field as they explore emerging finance trends, insights, and more. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the leading accounts payable automation platform. With Stamply, collaborate easily and efficiently with invoice approvers, vendors, and anyone involved with purchases. This helps you quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Leaders in Modern Finance. My name is Peter Taylor. I've been in various accounting, finance, leadership roles over the past 10 or so years. I'm currently the corporate controller here at Purple, where we manufacture and sell a variety of comfort solutions, such as mattresses and pillows, all here in the U.S., and all of which utilize our proprietary squishy grid you see right here, a little bit behind me here. Now, for a host of reasons, I sleep very good. And one of those would be my mattress. Of course, I'm not saying this to try and sell anyone. Cause as folks who know me best know, I'm just a lily accountant and couldn't, couldn't really sell water to a camel. But trust me, it's the best mattress around. And since working here for over three and a half years now, I simply refuse to sleep on anything else. Even my three-year-old daughter insists on having her own as do all of her older siblings. Enough about my sleeping preferences. When I do get out of bed in the morning. Head to work. I go with a drive and with a passion for being part of first class accounting teams equipped to add tremendous value to the rest of the org. I'm also a very, a very content user of Stamply and can attest to its value and what it presents me in my current roles, as a controller, and also our accounting team in general. Enough about me. Today I have the privilege of riding shotgun for the next little bit, aside my illustrious co host, Jack McCullough. Jack, uh, now why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and get us started?
2: Okay, I, gee, I'm not sure I've ever been called illustrious before in my life, Peter. Thank you for that. Yes, and before we begin, I do want to thank Stampley for allowing me to be here today. But they've been a tremendous supporter of mine in the CFO Leadership Council, and I've watched the first few of the uh, webinars that they're doing, and definitely some great stuff coming out of here. So thank you and congratulations to a great start. But as Peter said, I am Jack McCullough. I am the founder and president of the CFO Leadership Council. We are a professional association for financial leaders. Uh, We have about 2,000 members across North America. Our mission is simply to empower CFOs. And we do that largely through some great professional development programs and also probably more importantly through the peer network. One thing that's great about the CFO Leadership Council is the closeness and the relationships the members have with each other. They really have each other's back. They learn a lot from each other. And to me, that's what it's all about. So it's a wonderful organization, and I'm really proud about it. But Peter, I want to take this, if I may. Now, I have not been a CFO for a little over a decade. I basically had a front row view to the financial leadership evolution. And candidly, during COVID, the evolution has become a revolution. I think it's fair to say. It's, it's been put on steroids, whatever you want it to be. But I've been using the phrase controllers of the new CFOs. When you and I were talking and when I got a feel for a lot of the things that you do, they sound remarkably like my job when I was a CFO. And so I really think a lot of CFOs talk about how strategic they are, how their job has become a lot more cross-functional. And that's absolutely true, but it wouldn't be possible without a world-class team around them. Controller's VP of finances and all the way through. So I'm kind of curious if we can. Have you seen any evolution in your five years working for Purple and maybe some of the things you did before on how the role of the controller is changing a little bit?
0: I've worn the controller hat for over off and on for over about ten years now, and every role is different, of course. But certainly the skills and the tools, the tool sets, and 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 the, have changed over time. I think when I first jumped into a controller role, just the technology that was that was available at the time didn't really lend itself to much more cross functional interaction perhaps with with my that role back at the time which wasn't really, it was the CFO role, but it was, a, it was like a VP of finance, but yeah, being able to scale with some of the tools I, I know in the first role that I had, I wore that hat of not only closing the books as just a typical accountant and having that high level review, but also looking and helping my boss, the VP of finance or really the CFO in, in the budgeting, forecasting and planning side of things. And so that was, you know, two different hats that I was wearing. And something that at the time, everything was all sitting in Excel and multiple thousands of spreadsheets here and there and piecing things together. And so working at that level was, was not the the easiest and was, it didn't allow for much of myself to provide analysis. It was more, instead of providing analysis, I was being reactive to the issues that would come up as time has gone on and the different tools that we have that can sit within our ERPs and take things Excel and, and get a lot of the manual aspects out of it that allows me as a controller to provide more analysis, more review and be more proactive in seeking out trends and and providing a story and telling the context, as opposed to just sending over some reports with, with some numbers to, to, to my boss. And so I think that time that has elapsed with these new tools and these new resources that's been able to equip me to provide that analysis and tell the story adds much more value than what, what it was before, where it's simply just pushing numbers across and, and getting a lot of the manual stuff. So it's just some things that I was thinking about in regards to that question. Okay. Yeah,
2: that's fantastic. And you mentioned automation in there a couple of times. And to old squares like me, why do we need to automate country receiver? We'll just call people and make them pay. Tell me a little about how you've used automation. It used to be maybe it reduced costs, but from what I know, you use it actually as almost a competitive advantage for your company. It's, it's no longer a luxury, but it's a, a must-have.
0: Yeah, 100%. You've got different choices as it relates to how you want to uh, tackle Making a process more, you could add more bodies to it. You could make the process cleaner, faster, stronger. But a lot of these come with the component of being able to automate something. We're living in a time now where there's so many different tools that you can integrate into your accounting systems that will never mind that. The tools that you have in 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 these modern accounting systems, but you can implement those and get those o- automated. I mean, Stamply being a great example of something where you can leverage the use of AI to assist with eighty percent of just the data input. Something that in times past was something that you took it for granted—the fact that you had to get all that data in the system. Whereas now you've got these tools that can just not only get this data in the system, but allows you to gives you the opportunity to do that 20% of stuff that's really your skill set, that really allows you to spend the time on the stuff that requires the most attention and the most aiding through systems. What gets me out of bed in the morning is really automating stuff through processes. I live and breathe in Excel all day long. And with that tool, just being able to take anything that's manual. Jack, I hate something that's hard-coded in Excel. That's something that just, I see that I'm like, what? Are you <laughs> kidding me? And so taking something work. I'm able to draw on the source data. I'm able to apply some logic in, in whatever formula, wherever you want. And then having that flow through that, that for me, that's just something that I really look forward to do. In fact, I just spent the last couple of, a couple of days getting a process aligned. We had a, we have a wonderful, amazing revenue manager here in my, my current organization who is deciding to, to go find greener pasture somewhere else. And so obviously I'm going to have to provide some sort of interim transition by the time we can find someone else. And so looking at the current workload of what they have and thinking, man, this is a lot of work. I don't want to do this. How can I make this easier, faster for me? Cause I, it's all about working smarter, not harder. My dad always taught me to work harder, but spending all this time to revamp a spreadsheet, to get it to where the push button is opposed to manually having to go into each cell document a specific thing. That's just something I, I really live for. And as time goes on, with all the skills, the tools that we have, it's something that is, we're able to avail of ourselves of, of much more of that automation. So just some thought.
2: Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I'm guessing, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because all I actually ever do in life is make educated guesses, or so it seems. But during the COVID and now post-COVID era, I'm thinking automation is actually more important.
0: I think it's always been important, but just the change that this the COVID has had on work streams and how teams work together and cross-functionally get get things done, 100%. It's it's something where, for example, I'm the only one on my team that comes into the office. I don't have a, a room in my house with a door that locks. And so when my little girl isn't sleeping on her purple mattress, she's banging on the door to come, you know, she's Wanting to talk, it's like with all those distractions, I can't get much done. And so it's nice to come into the office, but everyone else is remote. We've got folks across the country that contribute and work to get the things done here, and that was something that before COVID, it was a given. Everybody would come in and that had its own challenges and that had its own benefit. In the automated environment that we have now, and the, and the, and the new tools and the way we have to close the books in the same amount of time, but all remotely. It's something that definitely are challenges and I don't have all the, I'm not going to claim to have all the right answers and the right, the best ways of doing things, but I have found stuff that works and we're constantly trying to refine and get better.
2: Yeah. Well, I just want to say no dad is a match for his precocious three-year-old daughter. And as a (laughs) guy who's been a little bit ahead of the curve with you on that, it doesn't get any better as as you and they get older. I'd love to talk also about analytics. I think all finance teams now, they're playing a kind of money ball for those who don't know is a movie about baseball and how uh, they a low market team revolutionized the game by just using superior data analytics and the Oakland A's, correct? That is correct. Yeah, in, indeed it was. So, a uh, great movie if you haven't seen it. I somehow think you probably have, but tell me a little about how you're using analytics to, you know, empower your team to make better decisions and, and basically give more meaningful information.
0: We utilize a closed management software tool that lends itself to providing us analytics at a push button, like we can go in there and see specific dashboards that show, for example, as we're going through our close, currently we do an eight day close uh, and we've got all of our specific tasks to complete this closed outlined and defined within this close management software. Each of those tasks that we find has a specific due date, a specific reviewer. and, And so we're able to run dashboards to show us, okay, what are those pain points, what are the issues? The areas that are cause were related that that are constantly over the if we look over the past four to six months, what are those areas that are constantly causing us the most headaches and the most pain, and that are crossing deadlines all of the time? We can those things will jump out to us seeing those analytics there. So that's having that tool is something that's invaluable as, as we look and review at the close because as we do a debrief and post-mortem on the close, we can. And we can look and decide, okay, what changes structurally can we make to streamline this better for next month? Are there any dependencies that we can document in there to ensure that you know, people aren't waiting specifically for, for those things downstream and, and can get a jump? So that close management software is definitely in those analytics that are provided through those dashboards are key in helping us structure the close. We're actually looking to go from an eight uh, to a five-day close here by the end of this year. Uh, we're on target without these analytics and dashboards that we have we would not have been able to reshuffle and make the those changes by bringing on additional resources or shifting certain tasks yep, to other individuals we wouldn't have been able to do that have, without having that high level anal, analytic view so there's one example
2: yeah that's not easy to do in a manufacturing type of environment some businesses it's a little bit easier but i'm i'm curious do you do you use traditional gap accounting more often or do you rely more on KPIs and other kinds of analytics in doing your job and making decisions?
0: Yeah. So currently in my role, I'm a little more siloed into just the gap. So we have just our specific accounting function. We've got a whole function that that sits analytics that does business intelligence and provides kind of executive level dashboards for, for our management team. And so I've, I'm a little bit out of that in my current role, but I've definitely worn that hat in the past and love structuring those you know, KPIs and getting those kind of set up. We of course have our own KPIs that we utilize out of that closed management software and can pull. Uh, there's other KPIs, there's other customizable KPIs that each one of our functional groups will look at. For example, our AR and AP teams. We can run specific queries that kind of pull the data that help provide the, the context of what are the success. First, let's define the success and then how can we measure that? And so establishing those KPIs and measuring those, that's something that kind of each group does. We could always do better, especially in my area, which is primarily the GL and closing that out. It's more nebulous and it's more uh, something that's not necessarily tracked, but we can, we definitely have stuff that we're using to track. And it's, it's very helpful and useful in in making the decisions as to how to make it better next month.
2: Okay. That's fantastic. I'd love to chat a little bit about leadership and the In the old days, financial leadership almost wasn't a thing, right? It was very much a a behind-the-desk, back-office type of job. But that's not changed. Uh, That has changed, excuse me. So tell me about your role as a controller, but more than that, as one of the respected leaders in your group and and maybe cross-functionally as well.
0: Yeah, no, I like to lead by example in the sense that I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to request something of someone else that... I'm not willing to do myself and so i've never been leery of working in the weeds and to be honest without that deep dive and jumping in and getting down to the transactional workflow level i, I really without that understanding i can't as a leader i can't add value i can't provide advice or direction on how we could look at something or, or be able to define the analysis that that comes out of a specific process so i i i, I really believe that we as finance leaders need to lead by example and not be afraid to to jump into the weeds and that's something that that i've taken to heart another another way myself as a leader i you know i have the word controller in my title and i love explaining that to my kids they're always like you like control everything dad what does that mean they just get this idea with the name that i'm really just heavy-handed and and (laughs) you know control everything and it's funny because i personally i like to equip my team for success i I, everybody's different. Some people just want a specific set of instructions and head down and get a process done. You need to learn to be able to adapt to specific learning styles. I personally like to equip the folks on my team to give them all the tools that they need to get something done. I I don't necessarily feel like I have to control everything. If anything, I want to hand out and delegate those responsibilities so that folks get their job done. They don't have to come to me always and get, get permission or this or that and obviously there's segregation of duties and whatnot but beyond that I I like to let people have what they need to get their job done and if they want to use their wings and fly or if they just want to stay where they're at that's that's where you're at and for me having as a leader that's generally lend itself to folks that will want to perhaps go to a different part of the organization, perhaps want to take a different role, maybe go somewhere else. But to be honest, I don't want folks on my team that are stuck and, and the ambition isn't there really to learn and to grow. I, I want folks that, that want to look elsewhere and that want to learn more and that want to take the tools that they have and, and get their job done. So that's, those are just two, two components of leadership that, I, that I've always taken to heart
2: yeah so you're a classic lead by example and whatnot but one thing that i've observed and people who aren't in our line of work find it odd but most leaders even cfos and controllers have a high emotional iq in fact i'd argue that at the leadership level an emotional iq is equally important to the traditional iq do you have any thoughts on that would you Agree? Disagree?
0: As far as emotional IQ, I I, I guess just from the context, I can understand perhaps what what it means, but maybe define it a little bit more as far as where you're coming from with your use of that term.
2: If a person has an emotional IQ, they have the ability to understand other people, that your accounting manager isn't just an accounting manager. He or she is a husband, wife, parent, child, whatever it might be. So you can understand the full person and you also are cognizant of your own presence. The things that they're aware that you're aware that things that you do as a leader impact other people in subtle ways that may not be obvious to you. Yet they still do. That's that's not a textbook definition, but within a no, business no. context.
1: So. Yeah,
0: that's helpful. No, it's it's something that I strive. I've been striving since jumping into these managerial roles and finance and accounting teams to to achieve that. And it's something that I'm learning and striving for each week as I come into work. I find that you do connect. The more connection you have with your team and the individuals on the team, the stronger cohesion you're going to feel as a team. Getting together for activities, getting together for lunches. As, as much as we try, since we're dispersed across the country, rarely do we get opportunities to come together, but a lot of times that just means just having a Zoom meeting where we can all just sit down and chat one-on-ones or something that's, that's a key component and something that you try and uh, leverage and you know, technology is helpful. It's nice for us to chat like this, but it's even better when you're in person and you can take those subtle cues and, and learn and just and have that personal touch. It's, it's unfortunate that we've, we're lacking a little bit in that, but having that emotional IQ is key because I've seen controllers that don't have it. And believe me, a lot of the words that I hear from some of those teams anecdotally, you hear the word toxic a lot of times where when that's lacking, it's it's something where I I think folks, when they think of the prospect of getting out of bed to go to work in the morning, it gives them a sick sick feeling in their stomach and that bleeds over into the work that's provided and, and the work that's and the quality of work that comes. And so focusing on that, like you say, that's probably more important than, anything else that you could provide as, as a leader in your accounting finance role and something that is only going to get more important as uh, as time goes on. Yeah.
2: There's a debate about leadership. Can you become a better leader or are you buy around your 18th birthday? Are you the leader that you're going to be? It sounds like you've actually, and I kind of think it's not a, much of a debate, but it, it sounds like you've actually worked hard to become a better and more uh, a better leader. And even if you, you didn't think of emotional IQ to develop a further emotional IQ, is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, yeah. And I strive and it's something, like I said, I think without having that component, you're going to get teams that just don't connect and don't don't feel like a team working together that have the same goal in mind and and that have a passion to come together and work.
2: Okay. That makes sense. Before we went on the air, you had suggested that we talk about what you call the gold standards that remain. And I'd like to, I think we have time. Can we go through all five? And I'd love to just get your thoughts on- Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, why you've identified them as the gold standard. And I'll just read them in the order you gave them to me. But, and they make a lot of sense to me. Clearly defined and documented processes.
0: Yes. Having things documented, you know, as far starting off my career in public accounting, I quickly learned that if something wasn't documented, it really never happened. And so ah, the approach I take now as I look at all the tasks that we have to whether they're daily tasks or tasks for closing closing our books if we don't have that documented properly and if it's not to the point where an independent third party could come in and reasonably perform all the specific steps and then document it themselves it's really not there so this is one thing that I I just I have a passion for making sure that teams are equipped to do exactly that process. We never, I never know. I'm, I'm going to get hit by a bus. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I do that my boss needs to be aware of. How is he going to know what, what it is that I do? And so I, I make it a goal of mine for all, like I mentioned this closed management software that we utilize. And so I look at all of my tasks that I specific tasks close or daily tasks. And I make sure that every single one of those has, for example, just a high level, understand, explanation of what it is, just a couple of one sentence, a couple sentences, it has, just to provide some context, it has a link to a screen share where anyone can click on that, It'll pull up a screen share of walking through specific steps of whatever reports are pulled, or w- where things are played, what, what is done from start to finish, and then if this tool allows us to upload that specific support, that evidence for that task that was done, and so it provides all that context all in one every single one of my tasks has to have that gold standard 100% right off the bat. And so that's for me and I take great pride in that as the controller i'm always trying to uh, work to get the rest of the team up to speed that's the standard that we want to work for. And so the rest of the team is working to get to that level of there's the task, Let's click on the link. Oh, I can watch and see. A lot of times there are longer recordings than someone would like. And you can actually overlay audio of folks talking through a process of, of analysis that they perform and who they need to talk to in the organization to get stuff and what emails are sent back and forth. And so having that all documented. Without it, as far as I'm concerned, it never really got done. And that's, uh, that's the end of the story.
2: I certainly hope you don't get hit by a bus for reasons <laughs> other than, than the types you discussed. But you're building on that a little bit. And I think that was great. But you also uh, mentioned that clearly defined roles and responsibilities. And in particular, you were thinking of when you're implementing technology that's cross functional, not just within the world of finance and accounting. So talk a little about that, if you would.
0: Especially when implementing things, I think a lot of times we forget that a specific tool is going. Who the stakeholders are going to be? A lot of times, we I've made the mistake of thinking, okay, this is just a this is just something that we're implementing here in accounting and finance and is going to help us with the close. But don't think of the stakeholders and or the consumers of the the, the data or the output that we're going to get. And, and look at their considerations and, and look at how this tool might affect their, their day-to-day work schedule and what they may have to do. And so making sure that you're communicating 100% all the time, especially when implementing new processes is key. Whatever that looks like to you and every one of these implementations is going to look different, but making sure that everybody's on that, that number one you identify who these groups are that you get their buy-in that you get their input and really learn to it's enough to it's it's not enough to just explain you know the context the drive and what value it's going to be added but really listen to what pain points they may be feeling and how we in accounting and how this process could help them track their success better and, and whatever that is and and maybe look at perhaps things that will make their job that might prevent them from getting their uh, tasks done properly. A lot of times implementing a new project is gonna make their, their jobs uh, instead of easier, it may make it more difficult. So making sure there's communication that we're listening and then having stand-up meetings, whatever that looks like, but that, that's key is identifying those different groups and then making sure there's, a, there's constant communication. And without that, it's, I think a lot of times those implementations are bound to fail.
2: Yeah, you reminded me of the art of war. Every battle is won or lost before it's fought. Yeah. It, it sounds like there's something we learned from that. If you do a lot of the upfront work with the communications and planning, if you fail to do that, it seems like you're probably gonna lose anyway.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned planning. I mean, that's that's super key. I, I know from in you know, a personal on a personal side, like whenever we plan, we just got a travel trailer. And it's something that where I hate planning, traveling, I like to just get up one day and oh, let's go here, honey, type thing. But when you're taking around, you you end up paying for the fact that you don't plan. Whatever that looks like, you may get somewhere and there's no available spots for you, or you forgot to bring a host of tools that were required for your uh, propane heating system to work which incidentally happened uh, last week for me. Yeah, don't take your travel trailer out in the wintertime without making sure and planning for your heater to be working properly. Yeah,
2: That's a solid tip, I think. So cool. (laughs) But I, I wanted to chat also, you mentioned about business policies and practices and how they need to be aligned and even updated where applicable. What can we learn from you about that?
0: Yeah, people here policies and procedures and those type of things. And a lot of people just feel those are like cuss words. In accounting, we have we live and die by those, unfortunately. And it's with the organization making sure that those are communicated properly is really key. Our role is start safeguarding the the financial well-being of the company. That's something that that we need to make sure the rest of the organization has, understands how important those are. And a lot of times that requires the management to communicate that down to the rest, you know, add a little extra muscle as opposed to just the controller saying something, but really it's key to make sure that those are updated. We look at all of our accounting policies at least annually once, and that's something that we want to do to uh, make sure we're in line. It's, it's a review that we have to get, we have to do to ensure that times change. And so what one capitalization threshold was Uh, a year or two ago maybe we want to change that and and bring in the different parties do we want to up the threshold to ten thousand? what would that do what would that affect being and making sure that we're looping our tax folks and looping in our engineers and, and, and making sure everybody understands what that might mean but looking at different policies it's it's something that's super key for us we're a direct consumer manufacturer So it's not super, our balance sheet isn't super complex and we don't really have too many complex revenue recognition issues that we have to deal with from a revenue recognition policy, but it's really key to get those established. There are ones that do have a little more new and we're establishing right now, just like for example, here, some specific policies around uh, certain warranties on certain products that we're doing. Those have a very long lead time. Because it's tied to a specific product release. And so making sure that all the parties are engaged and we understand the specifics of a, of a product and what and how the customer support team is going to go to make sure that those are that we take care of our customers. It, it really requires a long lead time and making sure that we have that set up. So uh, 100%, percent you got to keep those top of mind, no matter how boring it is to write a policy or review those each month. That makes
2: a lot of sense. And I want to go back to your leadership instincts with this. But I've heard the phrase upskilling quite a bit lately. And the idea is just bringing your team up to speed, keeping them on the cutting edge of modern practices. But you talked a little about just making sure that everybody's properly equipped with training, experience, skills. Shut a little about but your philosophy on that, if you would.
0: Equipping my team for success is key, but it's a tricky line because I, I want to make sure, in, in my role specifically, I don't want, there's a little bit of hand-holding, but I don't want to hand-hold too much where someone's going to maybe get used to that and they're not going to be able to spread their wings and 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 run with a specific role. So for me, yes, overall training. We equip all of our folks when they get on the job day one, making sure that they're up to speed on all the different tools that we utilize. But for certain tasks, I expect instead of just like a a general training, more of a one on one behind the shoulder. I know for me personally, I learn a heck of a lot more when someone's over my shoulder showing me, hey, this is that certain instances, learning to adapt, but having every one of those components, a general training Uh, And then individual specific training, that's really key. And then back to the whole documentation that we talked about earlier, having that already assigned to a specific task and certain desk procedures of someone. If I'm not there for the day and we're cross training on a specific task, they can just click on something and watch and see how somebody goes through and analyzes and performs a specific procedure. Yes, it's key. But with the understanding that everybody learns differently. And being able to be in a position to adapt to that, I think is, uh, it's key.
2: And then your final gold standard was around the control environment, specifically as it relates to proper data capture. And you seem like a little bit of a data guy. Talk to us about what your philosophy on that is, if you will.
0: Everyone comes to me as like the specific guru of our accounting system. I get a lot of questions, which is great. I love it. I've learned to utilize specific uh, searching queries within this, the system that we utilize and, and I've, I find it to be very beneficial. I I love to be the guy that someone comes to, to draft a specific query, to come up with some reports and the tool, the financial accounting software that we utilize is very easy for a non-software developer guy like me to drum up that kind of analysis and those types of reports. So I love being that guy. I'm fine with it. And equipping everybody on the team to be able to do that analysis themselves, that's something where it's a little bit different. A lot of people are scared by jumping in and defining the logic statements and defining the different criteria and statements and fields that will will get drawn up. But overall, just being able to have that ability, lends itself to what I talked about before by leading by example. I have no problem going in and there's a specific problem. Here's the solution. And then equipping the team with that ability to go in and have that query that I created, they they can utilize and then giving them the tools to, hey, if something comes up and we need to rerun this for a different time period or for a different dimension, here's how you go in and change that and documenting that and, and letting someone jump at that. That's really ultimately how it works. We're fortunate enough here at Purple to have our own analytics group that really sits on top of all of the accounting systems and, and really provides those executive level dashboards and really all of the to our management at that level. And so it's, we're fortunate that, that we've got these experts that are able to leverage that. But as far as our accounting system and running, that's, that, that's something that I, I really love doing is pulling data from there and getting it to the point where there's not a lot of manual massaging to the data. Really just configure the searches so that we can drop it in, run our analysis, whatever that may be. And having it go a lot faster than just reviewing one by one manually, something I, those are my cuss words, manual and hard code. Yeah.
2: Those are your cuss words. That's as bad as it gets for you. (laughs) I'll hold back because this is probably a PG type of crowd out of each crowd. But I just have one final question for you, sir. Certainly. How do I get your mattresses? You had me sold uh, right at the beginning of the program, and I didn't want to forget to ask.
0: Yeah. So here, like, as, as I was showing you, this is the the, the squishy grid. Uh huh. It's all your pressure points. It's amazing. Purple.com, all, all the great, great deals are there. We've got some amazing sales coming up here with Black Friday. I think those sales start next week, but uh, it's an amazing bed. There are various different beds for different, some like it firm, some like it soft. So you're able to check that out. You can go to any. We've got various stores across the country. I think we're opening. You mentioned uh, you're in Boston. Is that correct?
2: Massachusetts. I'm a little I'm closer to New Hampshire, but yeah, the general area. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I, I think we're opening up a store in Somerville, if that's anywhere okay. near. Yeah. I used to live there, actually. It's a fun, so, a fun place. So, so yeah, that, that store should be opening here pretty soon. So. Cool. And you said purple.com.
2: That's a little surprising. That would be like available, so uh, yeah, it wasn't
0: cheap. Let's put it
2: that. About. Oh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyway, uh, this has been a fun conversation, and I'd like to think an invaluable one. So, Leaders of Modern Finance is the name of the program. Peter, this was terrific. I, you know, like to think our audience learned a lot from your expertise, and I want to thank Stampley again for giving us this opportunity and putting the series together, and basically just for your support of CFOs and controllers around the globe.
1: Thank you for listening to the leaders of modern finance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at stamply.com slash leaders of modern finance. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by stamply the most powerful way to process and pay invoices. Stamply is the only accounts payable automation software that centers communication on top of the invoice so that accounts payable collaborates better with approvers, vendors, and anyone involved in purchases to quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.